Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. You ready, Mr. Briscoe's? Hey, John, I'm ready. I hope Mr. Brian's ready. I was born ready. I know you were. I've known you since you were born. <laughs> Welcome to Stories of Briscoe and Bradshaw. I would be Bradshaw, and that would be the WWE Hall of Famer, Oklahoma's favorite son, Mr. Gerald Briscoe. And oh, you didn't know, we got the six-time tag team champion, intercontinental champion, one of the greatest characters in what some say the greatest era in professional wrestling. We got the D.O. Double G, the Mr. Road Dog, Jesse James. Brad, welcome to the show. John, thank you so much for that. Man, I was just kind of listening to, to all the things I did. I was like, man. I, you're I, really, I mean, to, you're really I, important. I ought to go back and watch some of this stuff. Hey, Brian, I'm, you should. I'm old. I was decent at it. <laughs> hey, Brian, Brian, you're awesome, man. Uh, John said, you know, we need somebody. And I said, you want me to call somebody? I had to get that in. <laughs> So I reached out to the road dog, and here you are, man. We finally get somebody on this program that, that can add a little bit beside more John there. <laughs> All right. Well, look, I appreciate you guys having me. So, uh, there's, so let's nothing, get started. there's nothing like two really old guys doing your catchphrases. I think it was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or three really old guys trying to hook up on a Zoom call. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, we got we got to we got to give you props there. You're better than most of our guests on there. You're getting this Zoom thing going. You know, you you popped up just boom. There's Brian. For some reason, and I know this is going to sound nonsensical. I went to check my audio settings, and it said use with computer audio. Well, I didn't want to use computer audio. I wanted to use my sure microphone that, that Conrad was nice enough to send me. So and so I was actually doing better than I expected to be doing. I just. Finally, I just said, "Screw it! I'm going with the computer audio," and here we are. It looks like you got you got you got that uh, halo light there in front of you too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the halo. It's like a like we talked about. I'm an influencer, Gerald. <laughs> I've influenced. A, I influenced a generation to tell people to suck it. 
So I got that to live on. Oh, speaking of suckage, you know, Brian, uh, you know, uh, we mentioned earlier uh, before we got on the show, you know, our paths crawled way, way back. I was, of course, friends with, with your dad back in, back when he got in the business. We're both uh, young rookies in the business. I remember him proudly bringing, bringing his boys along to some of the events at the Army, especially when we sold out and he was on main event. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the entire James family showed up. That was I guarantee you his family was coming. He was going Which was very frequent, by the way, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember when I was, and I'll never forget it, when I was four years old, he won. He him. He beat Bobby Duncan in the Omni in a Cadillac tournament, and he was wearing the white singlet. And Bobby Duncan either busted him open or he got color. I never really asked him, but but he bled like a pig, and he won. But there he was, soaked in blood, and won the hometown boy in Atlanta. Like I'll never forget that. And I was four years old. Brian, I, I, Brian, I, and I hate I'll to burst bubble, but he scared. got he got juice that night. Uh, yeah. stand and bust him over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's what later in life I figured that one or the other happened. And but it was uh it was not the moment that that will stick with me. It was the fear of seeing my father covered in blood. And I was too young. You know, my other brothers are 10 or whatever, and they probably got it. But I was like, oh my God, what happened to my dad? Yeah. You know, and you mentioned white and John and I, you know, we've done a lot of these best of matches where we see a lot of old timers out there. And yeah. usually, uh, I, I brought it up on a match, and John, wow, I, I didn't. But we usually like Dusty have a white t shirt on, or, or yeah. one of the guys have that white t shirt, have a white t shirt on, all of a sudden, here comes the color. Oh, Why yeah. they wear white bob, wear red bullet ball, all of a sudden, get out of his red or blue uh, singlet and go to the white. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, yeah, he, yeah. He, won, he was winning that title, brother. He wanted he to get that simply before. <laughs> and yeah. nobody was better than Bullet Bob doing that. <laughs> Man, I, you know what's great to hear, Gerald, and you always told me, but I guess it was something, you know, you would tell me stories about him and I'd heard stories about him, but it's almost like now that I'm older and, and he's uh, gone and I'm just remembering and, and like now that I'm hearing people talk about him, I'm realizing that there were his peers. You know what I mean? Like in this time and generation where it was, I was looking up to him like he was larger than life figure on television. And you guys were working with him on a well, nightly basis. And, and I would argue that you knew him better than I did um, well, but not for the last 10 years. You know, for well, the last 10 years, I really cemented my relationship. And I was so such in a good place spiritually when he passed um, that, that it was almost a peaceful thing. And I literally held his hand uh, in my house. And I told him, I said, Marine, go, your duty is over, go home, you know, because he was laying there fighting. And, but, but that's the kind of relationship we had at the end. So it was very cool. What I really love is hearing it from the perspective of his peers. When I heard uh, Robert Fuller and Ron and Jimmy Golden did a podcast all about him. And it was just so cool for me to hear those stories on on now that I've been in the business I was a wrestler I've worked behind the scenes I've done you know I've kind of done it all in there too now I see him as a peer almost also so that's it's really cool where I'm at right now in my life as far as my relationship with my father goes that's an awesome story you know I, I kind of uh, equate uh, bullet bob with with another another local hero that I got to break in the business with and that, that'd be Danny Hodge Danny Hodge, of course, was just so over in Oklahoma and Arkansas, that entire era, that area that, that he worked. 
you get in a car with Danny, I mean, and you'd be at a stoplight, 20 people be rushing to the car <laughs> wanting an autograph. It was the same way when your dad in that Georgia, Alabama uh, area there. Yeah. You in a you in a car with Bullet Bob, man, you're a hero just by association. And those two guys were so, so uh, uh, relatable in, in their time, you know. Both of them were good, solid country folk that had that country values to them. And the people could read that. And your dad was as genuine as any guy I'd ever come across. And, man, what a major superstar, John. This guy come from a local – he was a farming man, a local farming, got in the business. And, you know, the farmers are hero anyway. And then the, the, the two just came together and uh, – Man, I, had, I got to, I got the honor to see Bob getting that big push into that title match and into a, into world title matches, and the folks were I mean, they were screaming like Elvis was coming to the building <laughs> every time Bullet Bob walked to the ring. I, I I mean, and my my road trip. I mean, as you know, Brian, I've told you many times. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was my roommate, you know, yeah. <laughs> so we had a lot of fun time together. <laughs> yeah. Some of them I can't yeah. even tell you, tell you his son, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same, 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 I assure you. <laughs> He's one of the few guys, Brian, I stood in line for, uh, your dad. You really? know, always, you know, when the legends come around, you know, you always, you know, of course, go by and pay respect. Yeah, when yeah. dad was there, first time I ever got to meet him, I thought, shit, that's full of Bob. And there was like a, some people talking to him, and I literally just stood and waited in line, like a, like, a, <laughs> like the mark that I am. And, yeah. And I got to meet. Yeah. And he was so nice, you know. He he knew you and I were friends. He was just yeah. nice as he could be. But I remember thinking that this is a big deal. That's freaking Bullet Bob. Yeah. I look. I so it's it's weird for me. This is true. This is the truth. It's weird for me to see him as that other than just my dad and like oh, he's Superman. You know what I mean? I just see him as that like another person I would see, like if I were to see Jesus sitting at a booth and talking to some people, I would wait in line to talk to him. <laughs> if I were to see Elvis, I would probably wait a minute or two, but not too long. Um, there's just not a lot of people nowadays that you go, man. I, and, and to hear people talk about my father that way is uh, t- it touches me and not in a, not in the bad place that uncle Jojo. <laughs> 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 No, but it does. It, it touches my heart and it, and it lets me look at him from a different perspective, like I was talking about earlier. But also I run into that same thing with me. Like, I don't you mentioned all that stuff. Like, I don't know. It just feels heavy in a way. Like, I want to shake it off. Uh, the, you know, you, you, I don't know. It just feels weird to talk about all my all my accomplishments. I don't know. That just feels weird to me. <laughs> and you know what's so great about it, Brian, was that was in a time when the wrestling had the highest ratings of all time. Oh, so, yeah. You know, the Attitude Era guys, you look at how popular they are at conventions and things because that's when so many people was what were watching. You know, the yeah. Stone Cold was hot. The Rock was hot. DX was – everybody was hot, actually. <laughs> and, and the business was so freaking good. People just remember it from uh, back when they were growing up as a huge yeah. part of their childhood. It, it's, it's, uh, it is influential in their childhood. We had a guy come to us this past weekend and broke down in tears and said – me and Billy sitting there, he said – I was a foster kid. He's a grown man. I was a foster kid till I was 18. And no matter what foster house I went into, I wore my DX jersey and I never had a problem. Everybody always went, oh, they're cool there. And, and I was like, holy crap, dude, that it was a, such a touching story that but it, I, I didn't realize, you know what I mean? I still to this yeah. point, it's hard for me to fathom like 
what we did touch somebody's life. I go, okay, I guess that's, you know, but I, it's just hard for me to fathom that. I, I know it's true. It happens. It's just hard for me to think about it that way. Yeah. We as a, knew what was going on, man. We, we could feel it. We could feel the momentum. We, we knew it was working because we were getting results in, in, the, in the crowds, in the houses, and, and the numbers on TV. But we also could hear that reaction. But we really didn't have a clue what, what place it would take in history, if it would even yeah. take a place in right. history. Right. Well, that's what, you know, that's what I, I hear a lot of, because this comes up a lot. I'm an old fat dude sitting there signing autographs and pictures of me when I was young and good looking. Well, I was never good looking, but I was- Wait, wait a minute, yeah. <laughs> yeah <I was laughs> you were young. But we talk a lot about that. And it's, you know, to me, when I was young and I was watching wrestling, Georgia Championship Wrestling was the best thing I'd ever seen in my life. And probably to this day still is. And that's because I lived in the South. It's what I watched. I was young and influential or uh, easily influenced. Um, and so that was the best to me. Mr. Wrestling number two, Bob Armstrong, Brad Armstrong, Piper came in. There was some great stuff that was going on. I wonder if like, cause now people go like, Oh, that was cool. And now it sucks. Well, does it suck now? Are there kids right now going, this is the best thing ever. And they'll take that memory with it. Like John Cena's the best wrestler in the world to kids all over the world. And you know, the 600,000 smart marks that argue, Oh, you can't wrestle a bit. Yeah. Well, um, and so it just begs the question when you were younger and, in, and easily influenced, what was the wrestling better? So that when you got older and priorities change, you go, Oh, it's not as good today. Well, it's not as important to you today as it was back then. So I just, I think about that a lot and it doesn't get me anywhere, but uh, it's not <laughs> well, are, are you, are you still mad at the Mr. Briscoe for selling Georgia championship wrestling and ruining your childhood? Well, a little bit. I mean, I wanted to, I'm glad you had, you brought that up because I wanted to confront him a little <laughs> bit while we were at a safe distance. So he could, you know, <laughs> I missed my opportunity. He, he had like knee replacement and he didn't tell me about it until he was almost healed. I, I'd have flown down. That's why he didn't tell me. I, I would have flown down. I, I, I had a real shot. John, over your right shoulder, there's a headless man standing there. I'm just wondering, is he okay? Is he just going to stand out? Yeah, he's got, even got his cowboy oh, hat on. Yeah, uh, look, look at him. Oh, he's, got a cowboy hat on. he's got a cowboy hat on even. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like Stan Hansen about it. My giraffe has a cowboy hat on too. See? <laughs> oh man, this is well, I can tell you just came home from Texas where you must have had another birthday and your mom had you that party pony and all the gifts were little cowboy hats. Mr. Briscoe, that is not necessary. That is not nice at all. Have like you ever that. have you ever have you ever seen his book, Brian, that you know, make money now by John <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I have not, but had I read it, I might have had more money. You, you might have made some money now. <laughs> yeah, so, so anyway, uh, you thumb you thumb through that about halfway through there in a full page picture is John on his 16-year-old uh, party pony that his mom got it for a 16-year-old. 16 <laughs> My mom did not get me a party Are pony. Your, is his feet touching the ground and everything? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I just put the quarter in the ear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. You know I what's amazing it. about your family is how how Scott is ends up older than Bullet Bob. That's the most amazing <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, that's, that is. 
there's some Benjamin Button stuff going on there. And, <laughs> I, and I don't know. Yeah, Scotty is literally 106 years old as of May the 4th, I think. <laughs> yeah, I have, I've known Scotty forever, just like I have you. And I've, I've wondered when that past came. You know, all of a sudden I knew him. He was this young stud. You know, all of a sudden I look at him he, at coming up to the gorilla position one day. Who in the hell are you, and what'd you do with, uh, with Scotty Armstrong? <laughs> well, sometimes up there will drain you. <laughs> yeah, well, you know that for a fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. But it's so, hey, look, and that ain't that ain't uh, that ain't on nobody. That's, yeah. that's the way of the world. That's the way the the cookie crumbles. So if you don't like your cookies crumbled, then f off. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Brian, Brian, you, you you grew up, of course, where we talked about your wonderful father and your family, your mom. I mean, what 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 a wonderful lady she was too. And 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 wow, your your entire family I've had the honor of, of knowing for many many years. But your brothers, you know, we we all like to harass them, and I've you know it's it's so fun. But uh, you know, you got into the business, you know, and, and by kind of a. Uh, not not you really didn't rely on your, your family's name or anything like that. You decided you wanted to, to serve the military and, and you and you 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 took off and, and you joined the military and you you went to a war zone and you you you, you encountered a firefighter. Tell us a little bit about that 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 and why you didn't want to jump right into uh, the world of professional wrestling. So so all of my uh and I think look, those of you that know me. Uh, know this already. So it's not breaking news. Uh, I just do things on a wing and a prayer. Sometimes I just <laughs> really? make decisions <laughs> really? over a six pack or a, or a joint or something. Um, I have not made the best uh, business decisions in my career, but, but this one was very shallow. It was very <laughs> easy. I was 165 pounds, six foot four. When I got out of the uh, high school, I was not going to go into professional wrestling at that size. I can tell you that much. (laughs) So I thought my father was a Marine. I'll join the Marines. It'll give me some time. Uh, I'll put some weight on or whatever. And, and if, and then I, I almost, almost cemented the idea that if I like the Marine Corps, I may just stay in it. Were your brothers in the business? Were your brothers already? Yes. 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 They were already, uh, yeah, all of them. All of them were already in the business. And look, it was frustrating for me because I wanted to be in the business, but I was in no physical shape to do so. And I didn't want to do it like that. You know what I mean? And then then uh, after the military, I did put some weight on. I actually did try to reenlist in the military as a drill instructor because I thought uh, in my mind, again, some some shallow thinking, but it's how I thought is what better there's only one thing better than being a Marine and that's being the person that makes Marines. And I thought, damn, that's, that's a badass dude right there. I want to be that dude. Um, and so I tried to reenlist, but Clinton had just gotten to office and that, you know, Democrats often cut military budgets and so forth. And so, so I could not reenlist in the field that I wanted to, to go into being a drill instructor. I had to reenlist in as an infantryman 0311 again. And I thought, well, I don't want to do that. I'm big enough to wrestle now. Let me try that. You know, <laughs> So Bill Clinton's responsible for DX. But basically, basically. And I knew it. I knew it. Thank you, Bill. I knew it. It's, it's suck it. Where do you think? Yeah, where do you think I'd say it come from, John? <laughs> you guys are dirty birds. <laughs> you think? I love you. I fit right in. <laughs> hey, but you and your dad had a very similar honor in the, in the Marines, right? Yes, That's we were cool. both uh, we yeah. were both the honor men of the platoon, and so in in like you marched across the parade deck holding the guy the uh, cut of the uh, platoon guide on 
And that's the flag, you know, you'll walk behind the officer, the, the smaller flag. Um, and so we got to march across the exact same parade deck that he marched across 30 years previously. Uh, I got to march across uh, also. And he was in the stands with the sergeant major of the whole depot of Paris Island because the guy was from Montgomery, Alabama, and he had bullet Bob Armstrong pictures on his walls in his house. (laughs) I was three days into Paris Island boot camp. I mean, I can't describe it and you can't imagine it, but all of a sudden they go, uh, Private James, it was private then, they changed it to recruit Private James, report to the whatever. I had to run down there like, sir, yes, sir. And they were like, the, the depot sergeant major wants to see you. <laughs> I thought, I've been here three days. What did I do now? Um, and he, he called me in there. He gave me a cigarette. I didn't smoke at the time, but I like took the cigarette anyway and was like, uh, and uh, he was like, calm down. It's okay. I just want to talk to you a little bit. But that's when he told me all about I heard your father was, and, and the reason being is my father came to, they had like a, a the new recruits that had their parents could pay and go on like a, a tour of the, you know, and see Paris Island. And dad wanted to go because he had been there 30 years prior. So he got to go and word got around that he was my dad. And it was in the time where Bullet Bob was still a, still a strong 87, I guess it was uh, still a strong name in the South. And that dude was a huge fan. And it, thank God, because he, let me out of scrubbing the toothbrush on the toilet for five minutes. Anyway, <laughs> your dad probably traveled a, like all, like all wrestlers traveled a ton. So did it change your relationship very much when you became a Marine and you're, you're basically you're, you're following in his footsteps. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it, we always had, and I, and I hate to say it because it sounds like I'm, I'm shorting the relationships my brother have, has or my brothers have, but it's, there's always been something very, very special since that, since my service, you know what I mean? There's always been a, a connection and an understanding and it's weird uh, to, to say this, but you probably, uh, you can't describe it. You can't articulate it, but you have that feeling with Ron when you're in a tag match. Like I know what he's going to do. I know where he's going to be. I just, I just know it was almost like that with my father from military service on. And it was really cool. Like it was cool. Of I, I really enjoyed having that with him, you know? And, and when, in Iraq, you, you got you got to see got to see you saw but uh, some combat and you got to see man. yeah you, you told me the story one time you guys like fifty of you guys or something uh, took like twenty four hundred Iraqis prisoner yeah P- POWs and just walked them back to the headquarters because we were set out on, in a patrol ahead. A, like ahead of the headquarters site. And so we brought them back there. They put Constantina wire in a huge circle and put them all in there. And then we got translators and we were, we were out of the loop then, you know what I mean? But yeah, they were, look, it wasn't like we overpowered them. They were running at us with their hands in the air, but it was so many of them that it was overwhelming. You know what I mean? So it was, it was scary. I actually had my, uh, I had a nine millimeter in my hand with my hand over the, bottom because i didn't have a magazine in it i was i just had the, i just had the firearm and but I, I was the squad leader so all of my all of my fire teams and everybody had weapons but i just i didn't put the, my mag, i don't know why i didn't i re- later realized like i don't even have a magazine in it what were your numbers when when, when those 2500 or so uh, surrendered to you guys you guys were w- really outnumbered there oh too, yeah right? Gr- a great deal so till we came back especially till we got them back to headquarters because w- but once you get them back to headquarters like 
you don't know, we had to, t- we had to frisk them all out there. And so it was probably 90 of us in, in on all, uh, gathered those people and kind of walked them back four or five clicks to, uh, to the headquarters, you know what I mean? And then, because oh, yeah. you can't walk them into headquarters until you search them. So, yeah. so, yeah, it was, it was, look, it was all, I tell my brothers this all the time because we talk about this. It ain't nothing you wouldn't do. Like going in the military and doing that, the hardest part was boot camp. The rest of it, I don't like to run. We ran a lot, but, but it's stuff, especially in combat you just your survival survival skills kick in and you just exist you know what i mean and you just speaking of yeah speaking of speaking of existing and 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 making do you guys didn't have the the barracks or anything like for uh, you live what in a sand hole that oh yeah no we we, tell us tell us a little about that a little bit about the sand no i made sure yeah so that's yeah we did not have barracks uh headquarters itself had some tents but we were out like i said out front um, and so, yeah, we dug fighting holes and I lived in probably in the six months I was over there, probably four different fighting holes. Um, but you dig a, you know, a, a fighting hole that's about eye level to the tallest guy or to the shortest guy, excuse me. And so everybody in there can, can see out of the thing. And then you dig a little shallower hole behind that, that's your sleeping hole. And so when you're in a combat situation, you're 50, 50 alert all the time. So two people in a fighting hole, one of them's in that sleeping hole behind the fighting hole, the other one's on watch. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was a, it was an interesting six months of my life. That's for sure. And you got to know your whole, you got to know your whole buddy pretty good during that. Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) You can't talk about whole buddies. You teed that one up. Uh, <laughs> like having a whole buddy. <laughs> oh, I call the one my glory hole buddy. No, but it is. You, you, uh, you do get to know those guys really good. But it is, all, all, all kidding aside, it is they're, in this situation, their actions, your life literally depends on that. And my behavior and actions theirs depends on that you know what i mean so it's a it's a different kind of kind of thing but you do get to know what makes a man tick over there that's for sure were you there during the summer as well yeah i'm trying to think what the dates were because i mean you you're how exposed were you in your in your fighting Uh, a hundred percent exposed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if it no rained, if it's 130. 110, 100. And, it, and the thing is, is it would be like 30 at night. You know what I mean? Like literally 110 in the day and 30 at night. And so, look, it's a constant watering water trucks come around and give you water every couple hours. And you know what I mean? It's, they bring you some, every now and then you got a hot meal. Like that was, even though it had sand in it, uh, you know, it was still like, Oh, this is a hot meal. So yeah, it was a, look, it was a different time in my life. A time I'm really proud of, by the way, like I'm really proud of my service. Um, so, so most of the time you guys were just eating sea rations, right? From, right yeah, from, yeah, yeah, yeah. MREs, MREs is the same as sea rations. And, uh, well, I'm, I'm old. There were sea rations when I was in the <laughs> National Guard. <laughs> there weren't seven seas when Jerry was around. There was only like two. Yeah, I was it, about a long time it was, ago. It was manna. He and Scott had manna together. Yeah, <laughs> and it broke manna. 
<laughs> it was good too. <laughs> Did you ever go back with WWE when they went to uh, Iraq and Afghanistan? No. no, they wouldn't let me go. Actually, uh, the one time, only one time, they said, "Hey, you gonna you want to go?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'd love to." And then they came back and said, "It's probably best if you don't." <laughs> I don't know if that's if something else. I don't know what happened. I don't know why that decision was made, but I said, yes, I'd love to go. And they said, no, you can't. I'm sorry. Like, okay. <laughs> so were you guys like the dog that caught the car when you brought back 2,400 prisoners? Like, look at what we We arrested the entire town. Yeah, look at these guys. <laughs> yeah, apparently, apparently that was happening quite often. You know what I mean? Because, look, we, we encountered a couple of one-on-ones and a couple of three people, like scattered people here and there. They were always just trying to give up. Like they were literally like they're hungry. They have no uh, ammo. They, their weapons are old and not functioning, functioning well. They had no shoes. They're in sandals. If anything, you know what I mean? Like it's, they were literally said here, take this gun and go fight them. And they didn't want to, you know what I mean? And and so through the translator, me and the one dude talked and he was like, I just want to get back home to my family. And I was like, Holy crap. That's what I want to do too. You know what I mean? So it was uh, it was eye opening in a lot of different ways. How early in the conflict was was it, Brian? This we were over there when when they uh, broke into Kuwait or they tried to, and that's when we were we were about a, about a mile from the Kuwaiti border is where we were. So we were look. It didn't last but twenty four hours, but we were over there during that day. You know what I mean? So so it was. Uh, it was more after that, after that, that first kind of breach into there, and then we kind of pushed them back in. It kind of stopped, but there was still scatterings of, of uh, outlying. I, would, I don't want to say troops because they weren't troops. They were just civilians that had been given a weapon and told to fight, you know, and they, they didn't want to. They had, Jerry, when we were over there, they had one a set of buildings that Hussein had built. They said they were bombproof. Every one of them had been destroyed by one bomb. They had, a, <laughs> had an exact hole in the roof yeah. and destroyed it. <laughs> that guy was yeah. so full of it. We're, wow. we're pretty good at that stuff. <laughs> if you could change one thing about your home, what would it be? A new kitchen, a new master bath, maybe put in a pool. What if you could do it with no money out of pocket and cheaper monthly payments? Savewithconrad.com can help. And you can even skip your next two house payments. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender, save with Conrad.com. Were those guys, the guys you talked to, did they like Hussein? Did they hate him? Did they want no, him? Yeah, they were, they were anti-Saddam anti Hussein. They, they didn't want nothing to do with him. And they would let you know that right away. Like, oh. and, and so, they, look, they, I th- I agree, I, again, I think they were just forced to, to fight. But we saw people who were hanging uh, that with a sign on them saying, this person decided not to fight for us. You know what I mean? And so that's a strong incentive to <laughs> keep hold of that gun and at least point it in the direction of the enemy. <laughs> so and when most you were of them didn't killers, have the ammunition either. Right? No, no, they wouldn't. They didn't have ammo. Again, their weapons were hard. It was, it was uh, like, I don't know what he was thinking. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what, what was going on and who, what yes man told him, hey, this is a good idea. You know, people don't realize how, how uh, backward, and I'm not trying to be mean to the people, it's a lot of the people were that were fighting. You know, when, when I was over there with WWE, they had put out some disinformation that if you put a burlap sack over the uh, part of the gun, 
that it will evade the radar and you'll be able to get through. Well, it blows up the gun. <laughs> yeah, the guys were actually, they were actually doing it. They're actually killing people through this disinformation thing, yeah. how, how to get around. You know, it's just, I mean, it wasn't, these guys yeah. weren't prepared for anything. No, no, they weren't. And, and I guess, how do you talk? I mean, and now you, maybe the outsiders see this and then how do you, Oh, if I don't fight, they're going to kill me. But if I, I do fight, I'm fighting with the, with the devil, you know what I mean? Like, I, so I think they're in a, you know, they're in a really bad spot over there. Um, and like I said, I don't want anybody to think I uh, spider webbed them and caught them all. They were giving up in droves. We just happened to take the influx in. That Brian, day. spike the football. You yeah. caught 2,400 yeah. prisoners. I mean, you're like Sergeant York, yeah. man, like yeah. Bobby Murphy. Like, it is my story. Hell, I can tell it how I want to. You're like George Patton. <laughs> <laughs> you invaded Iraq and I captured an entire you never track. heard of the Desert Fox. <laughs> So during that time, you were coming back and forth uh, between tour and you. Well, Sergeant Slaughter's got nothing on you, Brian. <laughs> hey, he was actually when I was over there. That was the talk of the world. Was Slaughter turned on Hogan or whatever? Right. Like during that time, I don't know. That wow. was what, so. Like, there was a lot of talk. There was a lot of talk going on about that. It was just a talk between us. You know what I mean about. What? He's sort of slaughter in this time of need? He's sort of <laughs> <laughs> so we're out here living in this damn sand hole. And living in this sand hole. And that son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm out here with my whole buddy. My whole buddy. We're trying to, we're trying to just survive. Hell, I'm a man. I got needs. I can't believe Mr. Briscoe called it your whole buddy. No, no, I didn't call Brian a whole buddy. I said his whole buddy. That's the correct <laughs> nomenclature. It's called okay, whole say whole I'm buddy. correct here. I was in the military, John. I was a spec four. I was a spec four, Brian. You believe Are that? You really? Yeah, E four, man. Oh, oh was that during the Spanish American War? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? That's one we won too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think I saw you. You were in that Mel Gibson movie, Patriot. I think it was. Uh, you know that's right, Brian. Me and your dad was we were we were whole buddies at that conflict. No, I yeah. think that was Scott. That was my whole buddy. That <laughs> <laughs> might have been. It might have been. Yeah. Look, it was. Uh, I'll say this again because I think it warrants saying. Like it, it was a really proud time of my of my life, uh, personally, you know, I've, I've done some things professionally, uh, that are cool or whatever, but that's, that's the thing for me. Like that means a lot to me. Uh, when I lay my head down at night, I don't think, Oh my God, I was the hardcore champion. <laughs> you know what I well, mean? Well, it was so, it was so, it was so impactful in your life. You, you wanted to real re-enlist. And, oh and, yeah. And yeah. 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 Like I was, I was as patriotic as you could come right about then. <laughs> And, and I, we came back, and, and, you know, the rest is history. Look, I'm not, this is the path. You I met Billy Gunn, and uh, you came back. <laughs> <laughs> then he met Chuck, and we're all the way back to oh, yeah. the <laughs> Okay, so, so you come back, and then you get uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, Bill Clinton won't let you re-enlist or what you want to do, so he's responsible for uh, 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 so really the whole, so, the whole so the so was directed at him. Yeah. So then, then, then you go up to uh, with uh, Smoky Mountain, correct? I yeah. believe it is. 
Yeah. And, and that's how you get in a business up there. And you were under a mask for a while, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can see I can see why, but why? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've got a face for radio. But but I did not want I his whole buddy to find it. <laughs> yeah, but you should have seen how cute he was. My old buddy was well looker. Hey, hey, you were, do you, do you, you stay in contact with your old buddy? Yeah, do you, have you kept up with your old buddy? So, so I have kept up with several of them, actually. Brad Hayes. Several of them. Wow. And he's he's got a lot of holes, huh? He's uh, actually, uh, we had a child together, and uh, he's 17. <laughs> no, but we, <laughs> um, Brad Hayes is, a, is a, I think it's in Wisconsin, is a, a member of like the SWAT team and a, and a, to this day. Um, and I follow him and his sons now a member of the same police department. Um, he probably just buried his reputation calling him a whole buddy now. Yeah, yeah, Remember yeah. He's put in the time, bless his heart. Uh, and I guess it's, I guess he's done it the whole time. Um, but <laughs> this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> I love it. I don't even know what I was saying anymore. <laughs> it don't matter. We don't. Now, that's what I have on my podcast. Oh, I'm sorry, know. people. We completely lost control. On my <laughs> podcast, we have when I forget what I'm saying, we have a sound of a bong hit, like, and then we have a chair shot sound, and that's the reason I forget where I'm at is because of chair shots and bong resin. <laughs> and so I'll use that excuse here as well. We had a Q&A with uh, Jerry at some deal, whatever it was, and Ron answered, like, first question serious, and then they went to Road Dog, and it, it went downhill from there. It went down. <laughs> there. We had a lot of fun. I just did fun. another one with Ron, like, two weeks ago, and it was just Ron, and it was supposed to be me and Billy, but Billy just went in and sat in the crowd, like, <laughs> because I never let him say anything anyway. So I just said, you go sit down in the crowd. So he got down, so it was just me and Ron, and Ron was trying his hardest to just be as articulate and professional. <laughs> I was just taking every opportunity to talk about dicks or drugs or whatever. <laughs> Bless his heart. He was like, just get this dude away from me. I just believe in you know, John said it best when he said, some people like to look good and some people like to feel good. Well, I still like to feel good. I just don't take things that make me <laughs> Billy told me that one morning, Jerry, on, on a plane. Uh, Billy, I said, where are you going, Billy? He goes, I'm going there early to go to the gym. I said, where's Road Dog? He said, sleeping in. He goes, I'm in this world to look good. He's in this world to feel good. <laughs> you know, I, I heard that today on, on that fantastic. I'm going to plug it again. If, you, if there are fans out there hadn't heard it, man, WWE Network or Peacock Network, whatever the hell it is nowadays. But uh, what is a Legends interview uh, where JBL introduces uh, interviews of Road Dog. It's an hour and a half and I hate to say it, probably it isn't going to be as fun as this show here, but it, it was very informative. You guys did a great job here, but we're here to have fun. You know, 100%. You know who, uh, <laughs> the, the one compliment, thank you for that, uh, Gerald, about that. I, I really enjoyed that interview as well. I, I, I really thought it was good, but the one compliment that took it over the edge for me was Vince told me, hey, Linda, watch your thing. She said she really liked it. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Okay, because I couldn't believe he gave that bit of information to me. You know what I mean? Uh, he, he didn't volunteer so, that either he had watched it or he liked it. Yes, yes, he did. He just, yeah, he didn't want to tell me he watched it, maybe. Atlanta um, watched but, it. <laughs> but I thought, like, man, that was a good thing. That was a cool little interview show you had, John. That was um, cool, yeah. That was cool. 
How come it went away? Any reason? I, I, I have no idea. I got Corporate restructuring. No, <laughs> I have no idea why. The reason I'm sitting here doing this podcast. Yeah, he got exactly. demoted. He got demoted. Exactly. He ended up with me and you instead of just you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd love to do something. John, you go back and do those. Uh, you're great at them, too, by the way. You go back and do those uh, panels and stuff for the WWE still, don't you? Yeah, I go in like uh, the pay-per-views and stuff. The pre-shows, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Really I would love them. to do that. Not to try to take a gig away from you, but I just <laughs> – <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> it's a different challenge, you know. It's a, it's something that I haven't done. Like, I'd love to do color commentary. and uh, oh, I think you'd be great at it. Yeah. Hearing some of the – Go ahead. Hearing some of the interviews I've heard with you, Brian, that, that that was one thing you really wanted to get into during the Attitude uh, Era, too. Right? Yeah, for or, sure. I, I always thought I would be good at it. Now, look, I don't know what it entails. So I say, like, standing from afar without knowing any of the intricate, whatever the friggin' word I'm looking for, intricious, never mind. Helping, uh, John. <laughs> intricate parts. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, I don't know if I beat people in my ear. I'm directing traffic. You know what I mean? There's a lot going on that I'm not privy to. Uh, so it makes me wonder, could I, I can run my mouth, but could I do it while somebody's yelling? <laughs> oh, yeah, Brian, it's Vince's, I don't know what, where it gets that Vince is, so, you know, killing people in the ear. Yeah, I'm not, I wasn't so much worried about him, but I'm worried about like even Kevin or somebody that, that yeah, I'm directing traffic. Right, I mean, you know I, I, I did mean? that commentary for years. Vince was one, I, I'm telling you, he was wonderful to work with. I know, yeah. I know yeah. Mick Foley had a problem with him. You know, I would love to do that. I never, he was, I screwed up many times. He never yelled at me. You know, he never yelled at uh, King or Booker either. You know, it's one of those things. Now he, he would, he yelled at Michael Cole a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I get it. (laughs) There is that, there is that invisible line with him where there's a a bit of a respect and and I don't want to put it into words and, and misquote it, but. But there is that invisible line where if you've put your body on the line, he's got some respect for you. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. And I, I don't mean to simplify that. Uh, but and that's he what was so good about. at producing. He would literally just have so succinct. He would say just a few words. And, yeah. And yeah. Know and you got direction You want to go. Because I would sit there during SmackDown recordings and listen to him pitch um, to stuff to y'all. And I would be like, oh, man. And then I would hear y'all say it. And I would be like, oh, okay. So he's just passing them. Like, I never heard him yell at anybody either. I just heard him passing stuff. And then I would always pass stupid stuff when he wasn't there and see if <laughs> see if they would say it, if Corey Graves would actually say it. <laughs> you oh, know, man, I've funny. heard him holler, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But not you two. Not you. There's not like you guys say, there, there's that certain line, you know, that, uh, and and Michael was at at, at the part two. I don't think he probably hollered at Michael probably as much as he did. But Michael needed a lot of help in those early days, if we yeah. all know it. And Vince got a unique way of helping you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, look, that's what you know. People always talk about. This is the this is real to me. That he paid he paid for me to go to rehab, which in my mind and in my heart directly equates to me being alive today he did the same for my brother scott he then re-employed us for 10 years and paid me good and and gave me life experiences the likes that i'll never see again uh and and so so what am i to be mad about what am i who am i supposed to be mad at because i can't keep up with him because i can't outwork the superhuman worker you know (laughs) I mean, yeah, like yeah. He, the man is a machine yeah. and he works and works and works. And I personally couldn't keep up with him. And that's on me. That ain't yeah. on him. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I experienced the same. And speaking of life experiences, I heard you and you and John and in that magnificent interview. Let's plug it again, where you you you, you all of a sudden life experiences. You look up, you're in a private jet, and you look over there, John Layfield, and there's Michael PSA, and the three guys. The three of us. It was just the three of us. That that just doesn't that just doesn't compute to a compute to a lot hey, of people. There, and there was just the three of us. Yeah. Like yeah, that was the, the three of us on that huge private plane. Three rednecks on many, a plane. Yeah, yeah. On a private jet. On oh, yeah. a corporate jet. Yeah. <laughs> limo. Limo picking us up. That's the kind yeah. of stuff I'm talking about. Like yeah. I, yeah. A lot of people, and I would say a lot, a lot, a lot of people, never experienced that in their life. That man gave me that experience. I don't know at what point I'm supposed to be angry because he's the big bad yeah. wolf to everybody else. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that ain't the way he is to me, and that's never the way I've seen him. Oh, I've seen him after I got screwed up and got fired and, and was still on drugs and wasn't thinking straight and blamed him for everything. I get that because I was, uh, my mind was altered. Once I got sober and started thinking, you know, straight with it, with open eyes and a clear mind, holy mackerel, you change your perspective and go, this man, everything I have in my life, especially from a monetary standpoint, he gave me. Like, I don't know. You can, you can not like him if you want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, but I like him. I heard him with pride say, you know, I, I hired a couple guys that nobody would hire, you know, either because of criminal past or, or yeah. some type of record. You know, and he said they deserve a second chance. And, and he really believes that. Yes, he does. He when I, I went in there and told him, like, I'm I'm look, I was eight, eight years sober, I think, at the time. And uh, we were running hard. It was mania season. I'd been writing for like two or three years now. And and so it was stressful. And I went in and I said, look, I need a one on one with you. I need to talk. We talked. I said, I'm worried about my sobriety. He got up from around the table hugged me, Brian, anything you need, you got to talk to me. We have to communicate like that's, this is the dude that all the people on the internet say is the devil. You know what I mean? He's embracing me and telling me anything you need, I will give you. And, and he means that, you know what I mean? And he would do that. And so I don't know, man, I just got a different take uh, than, than some people. Well, I, I've heard him talk about you and talk about, I got big plans for that, for that man. You know, he, 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 he loved you. I mean, yeah. he, he told me uh, he was, sitting on that same plane, I'm going to make an executive out of you yet. <laughs> he didn't fail me. I failed. I failed me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Brett screwed Brett. People don't, <laughs> yeah. People don't understand his work ethic. I mean, that, that it's yeah. legit to what he does. It's, it's insane. And he does it every day of the year. Yeah. He does it every day, every day. He when asked I, me one day, he goes, how do you play golf? I go, what do you mean? He goes, how do you spend four hours out somewhere on some golf course? I don't get it. I don't get it. You're not, you're not working. I'm gonna, it was like, it was like, that was like hell to him. Yeah. Cause you weren't working. You were just relaxing. For yeah. four hours. I told yeah. him, I told him, I said, sir, if you would please buy an Island and a jet ski and just circle that mother and let us just, <laughs> let us, let us just have it for me. <laughs> Uh, you know what always got me about commentary was it drives me nuts when people say you know the commentaries have to be le- legit. Really, we got a match. We got a match in the ring. We know the finish. We know the high spots. We know within five seconds of how long that match is going to go. But the yeah. commentators are legit. <laughs> that just always blew me away. We're yeah. they're part of the show. 
It's, you know, the one people I think that, that is a good thing that we try to make them legit is the referees. Like I, yes. I know Vince is very strict on, hey, if they if they don't kick out or you count to three, if they you disqualify them, he'll bonus a referee. Yeah. Because that to me, if you watch the, the separate other shows, that's the huge difference maker. Man, a tag match can just go haywire. Oh, and, yeah. And everything's yeah. fine. And they just go up in the stands and there's matches still going on. Like it's at least on his, uh, his one thing that I thought was, you know, was the officiating has to be legit. And, but I'm with you. The, the, uh, the uh, commentators got to be politicians. They got to be ready to spin some tales and tell and they got to be part of the show. Yeah, they're, they're part of the show. We're, we're actors, you know, it's not- well, that's what, that's why I, look, I would love to try it. And, and I've, I've thrown the, I've thrown the uh, net cast a wide net. I'm looking for Tony Khan. I'm looking for the other Khan. Anybody that will hire me <laughs> and let me do uh, color commentary, I would appreciate it. If I suck at it, I'll gladly walk away. Hey, you know, the best part also is the rules are actually the rules until they change. You know, they're, 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 they're the rules for that match. Oh, yeah. They, they are legit. But so, so, I mean, you've been there. So you know how oh, yeah. Is. Yeah, yeah no, I've been there. And it's uh, whichever way the wind during And during the course of the match, they can change. Oh, quick. yeah. <laughs> so Conrad asked me that the other day. was like, has Vince ever changed the finish of a match in the middle of it? And I said, a million times. <laughs> and he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, a bunch of times. Um but yeah, that's look, things it's good to be the king, right? Yeah. <laughs> the king, you make the rules. It's I get it as a publicly traded company, but he's the CEO and he makes the decisions. And it's not like he's gonna make a decision uh to hurt his company, to hurt his bottom line. You know for a fact he's gonna make those decisions with monetary gains in, in mind, you know? And so and Brian, you were, you're about, you're there in the nineties, and people said the same thing about it then. Oh, he's crazy. He's out of touch. He's, uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's twenty five years later. You've got the WWE Network. <laughs> you're on Peacock now, and you got all these billion dollar TV deals, and they're saying the exact same things. Oh, yeah. he's crazy. He's out of touch. And and wasn't his year last year, the, or a quarter, or something like? There was some reports that there was the highest ever, or so. So I mean, it's you know. Go figure. People on the internet are going to be mad about something. One time he sent word that he, he didn't care who won the match between uh, me, <laughs> me and uh, Wyndham against Los Bariquas. So, <laughs> so I think it was George Steele was the end. He goes, I, I don't know what to do. I goes, I, whoever they take is a baby face. And Barry, Barry goes, okay, we'll go out first. We yeah. go out first, very slapping hands. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By the time yeah. they come to the ring, they're getting booed. When Billy used to do that, when he was Rockabilly and I was the real Double J, me and Billy would do that at the curtain. When nobody would, <laughs> we would just say, hey, whoever they take is a baby face, uh, they go over. <laughs> well, we that's first that's how Godfather got invented. Me and Godfather were the popcorn match, and we were just beating each other up. I mean, we we're as stiff as it could be, and <laughs> yeah. no one, no one cared. No one cared. <laughs> Finally, he comes out one day. He goes, "Hey, man, I'm gonna try to cut a promo." I said, "Please do something." So he said, "He goes, you know what I am? I'm a pimp." And people started popping, and yeah. then he, he developed that whole thing because. He right was there. with me, and nobody gave a shit who we were. <laughs> was he comma at the time? Or was this like he may have been? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was comma. He was yeah, comma. Yeah. yeah. So he also yeah. had to keep up his shoot fighter persona. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all were beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> I know how that feels, man. This last 
this last, uh, I guess it was eight years ago now, but this last little run with the tag titles, man, they'd pop for us, our stuff. But once I hit my jabs, wiggle, wiggle, knee, one, two, kick out, they started the heat. Nobody gave a damn. <laughs> it's like, well, we got eight more minutes. So uh, let's sit here for a second. I'll fight up and we'll see if we can get out of here. But yeah, it's just, hey, you're cool. I like you, uh, but I'm not invested in you. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to really get involved in the battle. When Godfather first started getting over, I tell him one day on the, on the house show, he's so used to either me going over him, going over him, nobody cares. I said, hit me with the whole train. And he goes, all right, sir, I will do it tomorrow. I go, it's the finish. Godfather, you're going over. And he goes, sorry, I'm high. Uh, no big deal. Hey, I bet you money he was high, too. I bet he was oh, There's no doubt about it. <laughs> Well, one time, and this ain't, I'm not glorifying it, but one time we had that the same same deal as when I hit you real hard, Brad, uh, Bradshaw, and then thought we were done and we were yeah, yeah. Chicago, Milwaukee, Chicago. It's like an hour and a half drive. And so we had a two a day and I, I kicked Bradshaw or hit him or something as hard as I could and then like ran to the back and ran out of there. <laughs> well, Jerry, Jerry, he kicked me in the back like a, like a football kicker, kicked me as hard as he could. And I stood up, I said, you son of a and I stood up, and he punched me right in the forehead. <laughs> Wham! And he hit me, and I go, bastard! And then he took off running and ran all the way to the dress room, got his bag, and got in his car. It was gone. <laughs> I could have sworn we were good for the weekend. <laughs> we had a double shot, Jerry, and he yeah. didn't realize it, so I had him that <laughs> night. So and we, and me we and Ron drove same straight match. to the building. <laughs> we, were, <laughs> we had the exact same match in about three hours. Yeah, oh, we were waiting so, on him when they got there. <laughs> As he walked in, I go, you forgot we had a double shot. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, done. Please, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but but me and Godfather did that same trek one time that that ninety minute drive, and I never smoked so much pot in my life. <laughs> I was I was, that, I was useless. That wouldn't be the night where you said it's so glad to be in Detroit near in Chicago, Milwaukee, right? <laughs> <laughs> it might very well have been. I'll never forget that was Al Snow was standing across the ring, and I was. Detroit Rock City or something yeah, yeah. Like in Missouri or something. And yeah. they start booing. I look at Al Snow like dumbfounded and he's like, huh. We're not in Detroit, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> so then I just told him, like, just boo me, get it out of your system. <laughs> we'll try to start over. Uh, we had fun though. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I wouldn't I witnessed that. Detroit oh, did Rock City. <laughs> and and yeah. then booing me because they must not have heard me. Let me say this. No, I can't hear you. (laughs) Oh, man. And then now Ron Killings does it as a pop. You know what I mean? (laughs) Now he goes out and announces the wrong city as a pop line. (laughs) You know, me and and Ron made him change one of his lines in his rap lyrics. You know, he he called himself one of the best young OGs or something. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dude. That that doesn't work. That's about 10 years past. Yeah. I was about to say, you're an OG, but there ain't nothing young about you. Um, but he still looks great, doesn't he? Like He, he looks like, like he did 15 years ago. It's incredible. And he's funny as he could be. Yeah, yeah. He look anything he touches turns to gold, and and uh, that's just the truth. And so I don't know if you remember, but he he main evented SmackDown a couple of times where I looked at Vince and said, "We're going to have our truth and Miz main event the show," and he said. Just wait till I'm done. And I swear to God, it with the ratings went up and everything. It was a two-hour story of truth. 
messing with, uh, I forget who, oh, Maurice called her Carmella or something. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was all just a mishap step into a, on a rake. It comes up here, you put your, you know, and, uh, it was a great story. It was two hours. It was, it was not the only time he ever changed my crap. And I went, Oh, you're screwing it up. And then I watch it and I go, Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> you know, people don't realize the, the guys who play the dumb guys are the really smart ones. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's what truth does is brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's, in it's, that, in that particular episode, I remember specifically putting in a line, uh, in his in one of his backstages because he had like four of them on that show where they go man you're crazy and he looks in the camera and goes crazy enough to get in the main event <laughs> <laughs> I, love it. I love what he, he bought a ladder, a ladder was, out for some cake match or something you know he, he'd bring the wrong thing out for the match oh yeah <laughs> it's just he bring the ladder out there for the royal rumble <laughs> and climb the ladder and then look up and oh my, oh, my bad <laughs> My bad. It's just gold. He's like when I when I saw him, and I don't know. Remember when Billy got hurt? But whenever it was, two ninety nine, two thousand early. I, I'm not sure. But Billy hurt his shoulder working with the Dudleys, and he was going to be out for like nine months. And I had gone to do a show for King uh, in Tunica, Mississippi, at the at the casinos, and I saw Ronnie was rapping and working on the show for Memphis, and I thought, who is that dude? And Bruce. Bruce Pritchard, Gerald's illegitimate son, Bruce <laughs> is uh, was there. Thanks, I've not, never been man. called out before, man. <laughs> Brian. I, said, there, I said, there's my, because I, I lost Billy. So I said, there's my new tag team partner right there. Oh, I just, I think the world of killing. Yeah, I think yeah, he, is, he is, he is so entertaining. Yeah. And he's that way all the time, all the time, all everywhere. The time. And uh, yeah, he's just looking. He's a great person. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah, he is. a great human he being. Is. And Vince used to take him on all those handshake tours because he looks great. He's a great human being. He's yeah. uh, entertaining as crap. Like what a, I'd want to be around him too. When I had to go to Saudi, you know? Yeah. He just made a difference in everything we did. You know, one, one thing you talk about Vince changing the finish. I, I told a story the other day about some, some, some somewhere where it was about when you had uh, uh, Tyler Breeze and Fandango and they were going to have their first big match. And if you remember, everybody disagreed with Vince over Vince wanted to have him bring out a mop, bring Vince. Oh yeah. Yes. And that, and people were saying, wait a minute, this is the first chance they get to show their talent. And I remember afterwards you said you were sitting talking there, we were writers who were really upset about it. You go, you know, guys, maybe like ice cream and maybe, Vanilla and chocolate and yeah. different tastes, but they're both good. Yeah. John, I went back into his office, mano y mano, post that production meeting and said, sir, you tell me to fight for my, for my show. Please don't do this to them. I literally begged him, please don't do this to them. And he started laughing. And he was like, Brian, God almighty, don't worry about it. It's a, what if it does fail? Who cares? What, what if it doesn't? And not only did it not fail, they were chanting for the mop. They were chanting in Chicago, sold out, chanting yeah. for the mop that Vince suggested they put in their match. <laughs> it was incredible. And I was in the, I was in the production when, when, when the production happened, production meeting happened. Vince was the only one that wanted yeah. to do it. Yeah. Everybody was against it. <laughs> well, and what they did was they went under the uh, – the ring in the middle of the match and put on like custodian stuff and a wig and a fake mustache and came out like he was mopping the floor. Like even talking about it now sounds like it's the stupidest idea I've ever heard in my life. 
Had I not sat there four hours later and seen 15,000 people chant for the friggin' mop, <laughs> I would have never <laughs> believed it. It was incredible. Just go. And that's him. That's him. I, I honestly, I cannot, I can count, I can't count on both hands how many times I disagreed with him and he was right. I can't think of once that I disagreed with him. And I said, I told you so, you know what I mean? Never was, did he say something that I disagreed with that then he was proved wrong? Never. And that's, that's the truth. That ain't me kissing nobody's butt. That's just a fact of my life. You know, we're up in Canada one time and he, and he, he called me aside. He goes, you got a promo for tonight? He goes, you told me to think about when I go, yeah, yeah. He goes, what do you got? I, I had this promo. I was so proud of, I was like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to get so much heat with the promo. And he just looked at me, he goes, tell him you love him. <laughs> what? So I said, all right, I'm going to do exactly what he says. I'll go out there and I'm going to yeah. Yeah, I went up there and I told everybody, I said, I just want you two people who can't know I love you. And it's, I'm proud to be your neighbor. And they're like, you asshole. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Look at what, yes. I, what I noticed is like his his uh, his process is like a process of extremes. You wanted to go out there and call them every name in the book. He said, what's the exact opposite of that? <laughs> That's you right. Know what I mean? And he said, oh, love. So it's like, oh, there's too many dives tonight. No more dives ever. You know what I mean? Like that's right. And then of course you wiggle back into who needs to dive and who doesn't, and they get to do their thing. But it's like, that's, he always does that. And it's like, okay, that's, that works because now you cut, you gave me a rule, no dives. Now, you know, okay, but I, this one fits really well. I could go back and ask him if I can do it. You know what I mean? And, and he'll, he'll kind of let, but it's just, it's just how he works and how he operates and it's effective. Who's going to take care of your family if something happens to you? What would they do without your income? If you don't have a plan, you need to go to GoliathLife.com. Get a quick quote for more than 20 carriers. You don't even have to leave the house. If you need a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You're in total control. You pick the rates, you pick the payments, you pick the terms. You're in total control, but it gives you and your family peace of mind. What if something happens to your income? Hurry to GoliathLife.com. You know, one thing we were on that Q&A, it kind of occurred to me, you know, you, you and I and Ron and, and uh, Billy were all in uh, WWE, but we, we weren't exactly uh, knocking the top out of the, out of, off the main event chart. No. You know, you, you were with uh, Jeff. Yeah. Billy was rockabilly. Ron <laughs> had a blue helmet and I was Justin Hulk Bradshaw with a branding iron. <laughs> I don't know if anybody would ever believe that just a few years later, these are some of the main guys in the attitude era. Yeah. Well, and that's what I'm, that's what, you know, people go like, Oh, how come they don't have characters like they did back then? Well, that because the, the, uh, the individuals themselves don't have the character. You know what I mean? It's like, I know that's, that's deeper than I meant it to be, but, uh, <laughs> but like it's the, the people now don't have what it takes to grab my attention and jump off the TV screen at me. And if they did, I'd be tuning in every week. And so would everybody else. But I also hearken back to, was it just a different time, man? Was it just a different time in society where uh, F the police and you know what I mean? And a, like a different, I know it was, that was prior to us, but, but, but is that a, our society's bucking the system? We want to tell our bosses to suck it or kick them and hit stun them. You know what I mean? Like, was it all. Well, that was the first transition. All the wrestling. <laughs> that was the first transition in, in pop culture. You know, you had Rambo, who was a, for really a heel that was playing the babyface, and you had Clint Eastwood, who was wearing a black hat instead of yeah. a white hat. 
and he was the good guy. You know, you're starting to see the anti-hero for the first time come through. So it was kind of yeah. happening across everything. Yeah, all platforms kind of, of, of entertainment. And that's a great point because you're right, because Austin was that anti-hero. But man, what a what a hero when you're you know what I mean? To the to the anti-establishment folk. Uh who, who work the nine to five, who want that, who want to kick their boss nuts and stun them, you know what I mean? Or, or put a gun to his head and say, bang, and he pees himself. Like that, that was all great stuff that this guy was doing to his boss, who was an overbearing, uh, you know, billionaire uh, oligarch kind of guy. And so, look, I, I loved it. I thought, who, who's not in that? But again, I got a question. Okay, was it just a cool time or was all of this so great that so many people were watching? So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think you got a combination of both of them, Brian, because, you know, you look you look at that locker room, you look at the talent in that locker room, it was just, you know, who's who of, of, of sports entertainment, of professional wrestling at the time when we became sports entertainment. But yeah. it, was, it was just a who's who of it. So, and society was changing so much at, at, the, at the time, too. We just hit we just hit that that magic period that magic spot. You know, it was yeah, it was boom. catching a wave, right? It's just like catching a wave. Yeah. You catch that good one, and we rode it for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, did we ever? <laughs> well, tell us tell us a little bit. Uh, the the new age outlaws and DX. Uh, how did you guys did backstage? Were you? I mean, the click. You know, I mean, it was was you guys planning all this stuff? Tell 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 so, us how. So with me and Billy, like, and we've talked about this a lot lately because I, I just got released and now we're talking about our careers and stuff. But what, but Billy and I were just working, like I said, the first match, Rockabilly and, and the real Double J, and, and we were going nowhere, and those characters were both going nowhere. For one thing, they were very similar, and we're fighting each other, and – uh, for another thing, cowboys were out. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was the, the like you said, the anti-hero was in. The Marlboro Man is no more. And so we were kind of feeling like this is going nowhere. So we just got in Vince uh, Russo's ear about putting us together. We didn't have any idea what, whether it would be good or not, but he he tried it. You know what I mean? And and it, and and look, he tried it in a way. That and I don't. I'm not giving him all the credit, but he was the one we talked to. So, so I'm sure the credit had to be decided on by somebody. But what they started doing was immediately we started like stealing the Road Warriors shoulder pads and the Black Jacks cowboy hats, and uh, all of a sudden we're just taking the piss out of every other tag team, and then winning along the way too. You know what I mean? And so it was very fast. I don't know really what was going on behind the scenes at that time, but once we kind of got established as, okay, these guys are going to do something. We don't know what the longevity looks like or the lifespan, but they're going to do something. So that's when I think Sean was going to go away and get his back surgery. We were kind of climbing that ladder. I think they thought, Hey, if we grab these guys, he can fill the uh, the hole in the dike, you know what I mean? The 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 leak in the dike until I get back from my from my back surgery. So I think that's kind of how it all went down. I was never <laughs> in the click. I was always right on the outside of it because I was friends with Scott and Kevin and Sean and Hunter and and X Pac was was in that click as well. Um, I was never. I don't think I ever was a card carrying member, but I was friends with all those guys. And when I came in '94, like John was talking about, when he was uh, John Hawk Bradshaw, and I was the real Double J, uh, or even before that, when I came back as the roadie, I was friends with all those guys. And and that's when my family helped me a lot too. Those guys 
all knew my family. So they all treated me well. And, and they, they didn't treat everybody well, to be quite honest with you, but they always treated me well. Um, and I appreciated that for whatever the reason. So well, now, you'd, you'd had a lot of history with, with Paul back at WC. Not a lot of history, but yeah. you had a couple of matches with him when he's terrorizing. And then for sure. And, and I literally came to WWE before he did. You know what I mean? So then when he got there, I knew him. And so I like walked him around and gave him all the world's worst advice uh, <laughs> and <then laughs> that he brings up to me a lot. Well, you both turned out pretty damn good. Yeah, though, yeah, yeah. We did all right. <laughs> he did all right. I, I didn't do too bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've always thought the click got a bad name for, you know, being bad. I was there, you know, yeah. and those guys, they, they were awesome to me. They were awesome to everybody around me. Well, most important, you were there. You were backstage in a locker room. And yeah, you, did, right. you, was, you didn't experience any of that. We're there working was no, nightly. There was no division them. between, say, the Click, the BSK, the Canadian Boys. I mean, it wasn't. That, yeah, that's come wasn't about like revisionist yeah. history. You know, there wasn't. Uh, there wasn't faction heat. Everybody got along. It no. was everybody got along. And you know what? What the difference was? Uh, and I saw you and, and Blackman do it one time at a baggage claim. If we had problems with anybody. You just settled it. You know what I mean? You just settled it. And you then you went to work that night. And I, that's how it used to be. I, now you can't, you know, you punch somebody and you get attempted murder. And But at least they don't <laughs> prosecute you very hard. So you get off in five years. And if you're a pedophile, you get off in three. What the hell? <laughs> you know, one of the keys to your, your success in, in all seriousness is uh, you didn't let Billy talk. Yes, hundred percent agree with that. And to this, yeah, day, what makes me mad is Billy's not going to see this, and I'm going to have yeah. to repeat it to him because <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's still hot because I haven't had him as a guest on my podcast yet. Can, can uh, he turn on a computer yet? Oh uh, yeah, I think. Well, his wife will set it up for him. His, his fingers are too muscular to do it. He's got like he's got like yeah. Thanos he fingers. Literally like poked that. holes. <laughs> he poked yeah. holes. Ah, ah. Man, he's all man. He's right, we open up with a lot of, but your catchphrases, I mean, they're iconic in this business now. I mean, you know, they, all you got to do is you better call everybody in, everybody in the universe knows who the hell we're talking <laughs> yeah. about. There. Was there any way that what did come out out of, out of like a lot of stuff that John did just came, you were out there in the audience at a spot show and all of a sudden you say something and wow, what a pop. A hundred percent. And it's, it was literally at the time, me and Brian Lee, who was the underfaker and Chang of DOA um, would literally, because that's at this time, like there were still pagers and stuff out there and fax machines <laughs> and stuff. So we would say, oh, oh, you didn't know, you better fax somebody. Oh, you better. You know, and we would just mess around. And I said, I'm going to say that when I go out here. And he, Brian Lee said, no, you ain't. And I said, you watch. So it was a dare. Like I told him I was going to do it. He dared me to, and I did it. And hence it fit perfectly with the down, now, now, now. Oh, you didn't know? Down, 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 down. You'll ask me. You know what I mean? It just fit perfectly with it. And, and I was like, oh, my God, that, that works. You know what I mean? And so there we were. How did, you never get Michael Buffer? Buffer. How did you ever get like Michael Buffer's spot somewhere? <laughs> well, that's I what mean, I You were so I'm good. I literally stole that other part from Michael Buffer. Like it was just like, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you know, uh, and so it was, it was great. Just, yeah, it was, and it was better than Buffer. I, it was better than Buffer, yeah. And I hope Buffer hears that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, bless his heart. Talk about old. He's seven years older than Scott Armstrong. He's <laughs> <laughs> about my age. <laughs> uh, Brian, also, you, you mentioned your, your theme song. 
Uh, we had a great Jim Johnson. Did Jim oh, uh, compose that, or did you have any hand in it? Because I know you're musical talent. No, that's, too. that's uh, Jim Johnson totally did that theme song. Now, he worked with me in collaboration with the with my baby tonight that we did, but he actually wrote that and, and played the instruments on it as well. So all I did was sing. But um, yeah, so no, you're he, saying you wrote my baby tonight. That wasn't Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> Well, to hear him tell, he <laughs> sang it, and he's a member of the Horsemen. So okay, yeah. <laughs> I thought he was. A, I thought he was actually the leader of the Four Horsemen. Yeah, he's. I think it is the leader, not just a member. <laughs> he is the member. He's honorary member of the clique too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was. Um, yeah. So it's, I forgot what we were talking about, but very, very few Jim, things. Jim, the the great Jim Johnson. The great. Oh Jim yeah, Johnson. Jim Johnson. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. So back then, look. Nowadays, as I was working at NXT for the last three years as a senior director of character development, it was kind of a dusty, dusty spot. But uh, all fancy up for a for a for a business card. Um, the dusty spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but I dealt with individuals with their music and their gear and their everything about the package that they were going to present. So back then they played your music. And I mean, if you got music, you're like, Oh, cool. They're playing some music for me. <laughs> you know, I didn't know what nowadays they go uh, on the third bar there. I want you to change that. And it's, you go like, what the, who are we, what did we create here? And, and truth be told, I don't know what created that or when in time did it all change from, Oh, you have all, all the power and I have none. Uh, when it used to be, you know, you got some power and I got some power. Let's talk about it and figure it out. You know what I mean? Like it's all already now the talents are, I don't know, man. It's gone, it's gone in the wrong direction if you ask me. I, I lasted uh, six weeks as an agent. <laughs> did you? I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah and and, and that, that was – Six weeks too long. That's a hard-ass job, too. <laughs> did you request to be removed, or were you removed from duty? Or were no, you no, no, I, I, no, no. I, I, I was not removed. I did walk okay. in and say, I will not be back I'm, next week. I'm not doing this. <laughs> I'm not doing it next week. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, I, I tell you what, I got what was your tip? What was your tipping point? What was your tipping point on that, John? <laughs> Sammy Zane? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love Sammy. I think his yeah. character's great, but I yeah. was his agent, and, and it, everything was questioned. Everything was questioned. Hey, Sammy, Kevin's the same way. Every single thing needs to be talked out and talked about oh. a lot. And I'm talking about from the reversal of an Irish whip to, well, now, do you put your feet here, or should I put – and it's and – it's, Holy mackerel. I, 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 would, I would always just say, y'all put something together and come back to me because I wasn't going to sit there and debate because that, that'll do it. Sammy Zane will do it. Nicest guy in the world. Oh, I love, Sammy is the nicest guy in the world. He's extremely talented. Yes. But when I had to work with him as an agent, as soon as the match was over, I walked up to John Laurinaitis and I said, I will not be here next week. And he says, is it that bad? I go, yeah. I'm doing commentary yeah. only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. When um, Angie, Angie Christian come in, Angie Christian were a lot or Sammy Zane, I should say, is a lot like Ed Christian. Ed, Ed, as you guys both worked him, yeah. Ed, Ed breaks it down so minute. I mean, and he's asking these questions. I, I'm a pro wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What am I doing to analyze this damn thing? Yeah. <laughs> I'm that, a wrestler. That, that's the thing. Look, I guess that's a good thing to get granted. It is, yeah. It's it a so phrase. But it's also not, I don't need that. And I don't know if, uh, I don't mean to come off braggadocious or if I have a gift, but you don't have to tell me where you're going to end up, dude. 
I'll look over there and see you, and I'll go to the opposite buckle. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it wasn't to hear all. At one point, Sammy asked me, he goes, what am I doing here? And I said, you're off camera. I don't care. And he goes, what, what am I doing? I go, I, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't care. And, and, and your also, nose. I also use this a lot. If you want me to do it, I'll do it for you. You know what I mean? Like you're you're in the match. You're in a moment in the match. What would you be doing at that moment? What would be fitting for you to sell on the floor? Are you, are you, you know what I mean? What do you, I don't give a crap what you do, dude, but why are we talking about it? You know, but to to Sammy's credit, and I do mean this, because I, I, I am entertained by him to no percent. You know, he was always a career baby face. You know, and he'd brag about being a career babyface. When he turned heel, he is one of the most entertaining heels I've ever seen. That stuff he was doing with Brock, a hundred percent beyond entertaining. Entertaining in a way that doesn't make me like him, but I'm entertained right. by him. That's you know right. I mean? yeah. You yeah. still yeah. dislike yeah. him, but it's still entertaining. I was, yeah. I so saw a fine line there. But he's, he's, yeah, he's great. Uh, he really is. Like he's a great person too. Like he does a lot of good, good work outside yeah, yeah. the wrestling right. world, and so. Him and Kevin both are kind of cut of the same cloth. If you did, you have a match with him and Kevin because you'd have just hung yourself in. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have not come back. You'd have, you'd have yourself. I was I was expecting like the Jack Lanza agent job. You know, like <laughs> yes. What are we doing? Uh, you're over. Yeah, we got some. And that's fur it. In I, next, you're over. I, that was. Got some, <laughs> I got some fur in the next town. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure you got a it. cigarette, Brian? You got a cigarette, Brian? You're, you're over. Don't go outside. Here, here, here's a guy who would smoke 80 packs of cigarettes a day. I'm exaggerating, maybe 10. But yeah, <laughs> he, would, he would continuously smoke a cigarette. He packed one shirt for three days, and he smoked that cigarette package. Every, he, when he went home, I said, Jack, how do you get in your house? Because when you get out of my car when you're going home, you smell like a damn uh, tobacco yeah, like <laughs> He said, I walk in. I said, what do you do with all your cigarettes? And he said, I, I go through my bag at the airport. When I get home, I throw everything away. I said, how about your shirt? I know you don't throw that away because you'll be wearing it next week. He said, no, I, when I get home, I go right to the washing machine, throw my shirt and all my clothes in the washing machine so my cl- wife don't ever smell. I said, I Jack, she never smelled you. I Go saw ahead. him light a cigarette and take two puffs of it on an airplane yeah, and then yeah. put it out that. on the yeah. armrest. Yeah. And when the person came and went and looked around, he looked around too. Like what? Yeah. He was the best. <laughs> you know? when, when they when they banned smoking in arenas, there was always some asshole build, building manager. I'm waiting back in Houston. I mean, that was a contest. I remember her, that, that old lady back in Houston. Oh, yeah. She used to yeah. get on Pat, yeah. Pat Jack, Jack every time. And, and they tell Jack, you're, you're not smoking. So Jack would put a cigarette in his mouth, and he would sit there, and for like 30 to 45 minutes, he'd go to light it while he's talking to somebody. Yeah. And he'd pull it out, and he'd listen to him. And he had never lied it, but he'd go lie it again, and then he'd put out a list of And they're just waiting about 10 feet away. <laughs> Jack, would keep, Jack would terrorize them with that. <laughs> he was the best, man. Back in the days when, when airports were just going smokeless, you know, and, and we had guys like Patterson and Atlanta, you know, yeah. that, that were smoking fiends. They'd get off those airplanes, you know, you're just you couldn't smoke an airport for the first as soon as, of course, as soon as they get off that airplane, they'd reach for the cigarette lighter. Yeah. Here comes the security. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. I forgot. They put the cigarette out. <laughs> Go about 50 feet down the run, uh, concourse there. 
Light back up. Here they come, sir. We told you you can't smoke in here. <laughs> well, they changed them all the way to the other house. But they would get a cigarette by the time they got through. <laughs> <laughs> have a whole, whole cigarette smoke. You, know, uh, yeah, you were backstage that. in Vancouver that one time when they we had the riot, a bit of a riot, and they were throwing all kinds of people out. Some type of holiday, and everybody was drunk, and they were, the crowd was really bad. It was when DX is pretty hot. I was probably drunk, too. <laughs> yeah. Some, some guy is comes comes to the back, and he had thrown a, a, something at one of the wrestlers. And as Jack walks by him, he just knees him in the thigh, and nobody sees it. I, I saw it, and I'm like, you, that's one of the coolest things I've ever oh, seen. Charlie and, he, and he buckled the guy. The yeah. guy goes down. <laughs> that's awesome. The K-Fame Charlie horse. The <laughs> K-Fame oh, Charlie horse from this <laughs> 70-year-old man that just dropped this kid. <laughs> and had great times with him, too. Jack was the best. I mean, he was just yeah. what, what a freaking agent. Yeah. One time, one time, me and Christian, we talked a lot about them. I kicked Christian one time in the back so hard, bless his heart. He couldn't, he couldn't breathe. <laughs> and I just got him in a rear chin lock. I said, catch your breath, catch your breath. And as soon as he caught his breath, I popped him up, kicked him again. And so, <laughs> I was like, hey, Paul Orndorff beat me up when I first got in here. So, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I forgot what we were talking about. Jack Lanza, me and Christian were having a, having a match and we went like literally like six or seven minutes early. Like, and I just, uh, Christian was the first one back. I don't know if he won or what happened. I don't know what happened, but Chris, I've heard Christian and Jack both tell me the story back. So I know it's true. Uh, they, they, we got, he got to the back. He said, what the hell? What you six minutes early? We need more time. And it was like, he said, go home. And then here I came walking back and, uh, Jack said, Hey, good match kid. And I just walked out. Right by, and uh, Christian always told me that. Like he just he didn't say shit to you. He buried me. <laughs> That's how it works, Jack. He worked with my dad, man. <laughs> we ran Cape Girardeau one time, and Jack wanted to get back to St. Louis. He ran the show in an hour and fourteen minutes, mm. and with the whole show counting intermission. <laughs> yeah, okay, you got to remember. Over. Back then, the I think Gerald, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Back then, the the, the live event report or whatever was just a phone call yeah. to the office. Yeah, yeah. like hey, we're all good. You know, yeah. everything's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the agent report were especially Landa when it, when he really really knew Vent was watching. Landa would write the most immaculate agent reports you've ever heard in your life. Really? Yeah. I mean, he was very articulate. Hey. One time it was so articulate. We're, I remember exactly where it was. We're in uh, Dallas. Get the agent report. You know, it's an early call there for production meeting. And for once, Vance is on time. So <laughs> Finkel brings the agent reports in and gives, gives it to all of us. Vince starts reading the agent report. He gets up and he walks to the back of the room and he turns his back to the rest of it. He turned around. He got the reddest eye I've ever seen in my life. We're all reading this agent. And Lanza's just... You know, Vince, you'd better, really been. Your dad was looking down from the from the stars oh. above. <laughs> one one of those things, right about his dad, very yeah. eloquent. So Vince said, "Down, I I got to read this agent report. We don't usually do it, but I'm." A, and he started crying. He actually started weeping during reading the agent report, and had, we had to quit the agent report, and had to had to <laughs> had to stop the production meeting for about. Three minutes to actually compose himself because Lando was once again was he he wanted uh, some days off I think so gets a Vince's ass picked up. Hey, he got them heartstrings. You know, Laura Nidas tries to do that now, and uh, and and he 
he does. He does. Now. Very, 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 very wordy. Um, but it's not it's not inside heartstring stuff like that. Uh, Jack was Jack was a worker, right? He was yeah. the best. Yeah. That night in, in Cape Girardeau's afternoon, and he wanted to get back to St. Louis because he had worked in St. Louis a lot. So obviously yeah. he wanted to get back to St. Louis. Yeah. So, sure. so I worked with Barry Windham, uh, first match, and Jack goes, no more than a minute. <laughs> so first match. So we walk out, the bell has just rung, and Jack's walking down the aisle and he's waving his tie. He goes, guys, I'm not yeah. kidding. <laughs> yeah. Time, boys. I love it. I love it. I loved his style. I did I, because it was it was no nonsense. Get the job done. Don't slack the job. Do get the job done, but then have fun. You know what I mean? It's not it's not so serious. I've I, I talked to Jack many times about his his philosophy of being an agent because you know we had some really really different agents back in there, and I think that's really what really helped the business was the different personalities and the yeah. and the agents were. Jack had drawn money everywhere he had been and been a major star, a major player on, in every territory he had been to. I said, Jack, I said, you know, because Vince was getting to the point where at this time where he really wanted everything choreographed. You know, he yeah. wanted the agent to have 100% input in it. But I, I, was, I was told to talk to Jack about that philosophy. And I said, Jack just, you know, Jack just shook his head like he, you know, look at you, shake his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Light up. And I said, well, what do you think you should do, Jack? He said, you know, you were in the ring. Did you like it when, when somebody came to you and told you ever moved? No, I like to feel it. He said, these guys are the same as we were, Briscoe. He said, he said you can't script everything. you got to feel the match, right? And, he, I mean, his, 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 his answer to me was exactly my mindset. That one, but it wasn't the boss's mindset. Well, that's what, exactly, exactly. And look, but Jack got by with it because he had such a good relationship. With yeah, yeah, I think Vince knew uh, maybe he's never going to be a general but he's a damn good he's a, he's a leader. He's <laughs> yeah. a leader. A leader of men. That was a thing. Jack was a leader, and there wasn't a talent in, in, on our roster that, that wouldn't wouldn't jump into in front of a car. A hundred percent. He was a well respected man. And he had sure. such a good way about him. You know, he never he never would say, "Hey, do this, do that." He would say, "You know, you might want to try this." Yeah, yeah. And he put it in your head, and then you would think about it overnight. And the next day, you'd come back and you'd say, hey, "Jack, I'm thinking about trying this." You know, it's. He yeah. suggested it, but now yeah. it's become your idea. Yeah, yeah. And, and he uh, he had a great way of communicating, too. Like, he never – I never heard him, like, yell. When he got mad, he just would cuss a little more. You know what I mean? Like, it was <laughs> – I don't know. I just always appreciated his approach. Uh, uh. It was he father. Got mad, he got mad at me one time when I stole the van in uh, Winnipeg. <laughs> well, now, dang, John. <laughs> <laughs> and he thought I was messing up his hotel deal. <laughs> so – he pulled me in the shower that, 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 he he the shower that night and he was he was mad and he and he looks at me, he's got that cigarette, and it's just me and him and maybe Timmy White or somebody for, for a witness in case he beat me up or something. Yeah. <laughs> he's sitting there and he goes, You know, you're a dumbass. And I said, Yes, sir, I have no excuse. You'll do <laughs> and that just broke ties. He goes, yeah. All right, all right, all right, just don't do it again. Yeah, you know what? The truth of it is, it's the same with Vince. It's like uh, or anybody really of, of, of a figure of authority comes to you and says, Hey, this happened on your watch. If you say, yes, it did. And I'm sorry, I've made a wrong decision and I won't do it. Like what? It kind of puts the fire out. You know what I mean? Like I own it. It was my mistake to own and I own it. 
Now, now what are we going to do? You know what I mean? If you want to punish me or something, because, okay, whatever, but you own it, own it. If it's yours to own, own it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's so much easier that way. I agree. I think people respect that a lot more too. People are very forgiving. If you own it up, uh, own up to what you did and, and kind of go like, look, I realized that was wrong and I'm going to try to correct it going forward. Um, people are forgiving. You know, and Vin, Vince is really like that. You know, yeah, 100%. If, if you ever try to swerve him, he'll never forget that. Oh, he'll never no, forget. He you, you, you lied to me. You tried to work me. You deceived me. You know what I mean? Those are those, and they should be game changing uh, actions in a relationship, whether it be professional or personal. Like, though a betrayal, a, you know what I mean? A, a something like that should be looked at like, holy crap. But, like, yeah, he believed in second chances. And, but, but when you deceived him, you might not have got that second chance so quick. Yeah, he won't forget it. It may not be that day and it may not be the next month, but he's not going to forget. Yeah. If you're, if you're making him money, he, he don't forgive you one, one, one down the road somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then sometimes if you're not making any money, I've seen him. I've seen him make up with guys that that weren't making any money and, and bring those guys back. In yeah, too. yeah, yeah. That's a, people just don't know him. They know that he's the big leader of the big, huge entertainment conglomerate that rules the world in the wrestling world, and so they throw rocks at the mountaintop. The evil you know emperor. I mean? Yeah, yeah. They don't know. They don't know him. You know what I mean? Yeah, they don't know what he's done for so many different people. I mean, and, so many taking care of so many people. Yeah, and that, that's a big. That's a uh, like he he has carried a lot of people for a lot of years and continues to do so. There are there are tales, and and you guys know we don't have to share them here, but there are tales of his loyalty uh, yeah. going way back to DC and right. all. You know what I mean? All oh, yeah. Years. So yeah, there, there, he's he's a loyal. Man, and he's a businessman. Look, that's what you, you can't fathom. I can't because I'm not a businessman. I would be a horrible businessman because I care too much about uh, so-and-so's kids at home. So I got to give her extra hours or so. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think I would end up going in the hole. Um, but he, he makes decisions like that on a daily basis. And that's that's above my pay grade, man. I can't I can't fathom that. So I I can't. Uh, I can't critique it or, or, or put it over. I just know how successful he's been I yeah. have been because of it. And he takes care of more old wrestlers than billionaire Connie. Oh yeah. A hundred, a hundred percent. You know, he, he was, he was taking care of wrestlers under a dad's tutelage. A hundred percent. That's what I was ago. talking, that's what I was talking about. The, wow. I the mean, tales. I mean, I, I, I was, I was, I was there. I mean, when it, when it was happening, yeah. you know, I was, I was part of that. Part of when he took over for his dad, I was I was there during that takeover, and I witnessed it first class, and I hand delivered a lot of a lot of bundles uh, to to friends of his dad in various roles and everything. Yeah, and you'd see it all in different parts of the country. You'd see you know old guys come around. Yeah, and Vince had been taking care of him for years. I mean, for years <laughs> he'd, he'd been taking care of. Him. You know, nobody right. nobody ever mentions that. You know, nobody no, ever. Well, nobody really knows about it because Vince doesn't do it to. Right. That's that's not the way he. That's not the way he does it. He doesn't. He does it in the closet. He doesn't do it out on the corner for all to see. And so, that's maybe that's you know if that's a if that's a fault, <laughs> which I disagree. Yeah, uh, it ain't it ain't his. It's somebody else's. You know what I mean? Because I think that's a great thing. Well, Brian. I we we've been so excited to have you on. We're uh, just as uh, thrilled after we had you on that. Uh, did, did we talk? Did, 
we, did we talk wrestling today or were we just bullshit? I, I kind of <laughs> like the idea of bullshit. To tell you the truth. <laughs> I talk about wrestling every other day. Oh, man, I, I went on in that. And, you know, that's one of the great things about this show. And as you'll, you'll find out, you get to do a lot of research on guys that you've known forever. You know? yeah. and, and then yeah. we get on this show and we just become friends again. You forget all that bullshit you were going to ask, but you know what? I'm, I'm just as happy with this show. Amen. And the truth of it is, Gerald, it is just bullshit. You know what I mean? It's the, the, all the stuff we look, wrestling's huge and I love it. And it's my passion. I've loved it since I was born and I love it to this day, but it ain't the most important thing in my life. You know what I mean? It's kind of uh, priorities have changed. And I know that's with age and with sobriety, but my priorities have changed. Then I got grandkids. I got stuff that matters. I can live in an apartment as long as that kid calls me Papa and hugs my neck. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So all that stuff is just kind of bullshit. Uh, we're talking today about the stuff that matters, <laughs> you know, like smoking weed with the Godfather. Yeah, that's right. Hey, Brian, you know, it's funny because I haven't seen a live event other than, say, a WWE event for, for a long time. I, I don't know how many years. And we were in Liverpool together. And oh, yeah. And yeah. Scottish guy, uh, Gordo, Frodo, what was his um, name? Uh, Grado. 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 That guy was <laughs> – we're sitting there, Jerry, we're sitting there watching this live event, and we're sitting in the back, you know, like we used to do, you know, critiquing all the stuff, you know, taking shots at people. And Grado comes out. It was so freaking entertaining. Yeah. And we're yeah. sitting there just laughing and cheering. You know, it's just. <laughs> when it's he fun. was done, when he was done, we just left because I thought it's all downhill. You know, That's everybody- all the fun you needed right there. Yeah, they, they were tr- everybody was trying to have this yeah. serious wrestling yeah. event. And, and like the people there, they were from a, a comic con, you know, or a wrestling con or whatever. They didn't come out here to see the friggin' uh, Ring of Honor wrestling tournament. They came out here to be entertained. These guys tried to tried to wrestle. Nobody gave a crap. Grado came out there, and I don't know Gerald if you know his character, no. but he's not built well. He wears, <laughs> he wears a singlet. He's he's Scottish as the day is long, and you can barely understand a word he says. But he is so funny and so entertaining in his mannerisms in the ring. He's not a good wrestler at all, but was the best wrestler <laughs> on that card that night <laughs> because he just. But he was he was. Nope. The most entertaining thing yeah. we saw all day. It was well, so you, much- you know that's it. Some some of these independent shows, I, I get to go to, to a few of them, and I, I'm entertained in a lot of them. You know, a lot of them, it's just you know, please get this match out of the ring. But a lot <laughs> yes. of them, you there, wow, you know, that's that's you know, then it's they they for some reason just you know haven't clicked to the right people. And right. some of them right. don't want to click to the right people, too. Some of them are happy just doing that weekend. <laughs> yeah, they're being a weekend warrior. warrior. Yeah, you know, and, and they're good at it. You know, yeah, I always, I always tell them, that no matter where you want to do, just be the best you're going to be. If you're going to be that weekend warrior, be the best now. Yeah, yeah. Warrior, be, you know. And yeah, they you know, are. It's like, it's like don't impl- imitate what you can't duplicate. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it's exactly. like, like people People are trying to be the road warriors in, in, the, in the early, uh, late 80s and early 90s. Yeah, Brian. <laughs> Nobody worked. You know, you, they're the road warriors. They had this them? gimmick, and they had they had the market cornered. Yeah. And if you're going to come oh, along yeah. as a tag team, yeah. be After anything that. but them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that look, that's that just goes to some people because we you see a lot of it today. People that just try to imitate what they see on TV. And it's like, man, I don't know, just work to your strengths and minimize your weaknesses and be you. You know what I mean? Be the, be the first you 
that's out there, not exactly. not the seventh rock, you know. Yeah, that that you know when I'm recruiting these college kids, oh, I want to be the next rock. I said, no, you don't. You want to be the next whoever you are. Yeah, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're, you're, you want to be that guy 15 years from now when I'm talking to the next guy, that guy says, I want to be the next. You look at the guys who are the big draws. You know, they're, they're all different. You know, Gorgeous George was different from Bruno. Bruno's different from Hogan, different from Stone Cold, different from Rock, different from Cena, different from Roman Reigns. You know, they're all completely different. Nobody comes along and is the next Stone Cold. Because uh, exactly. you've got Stone Cold. You don't, you don't need the next. <laughs> yeah, and and there's, to me, too, what happened, what was great about that Attitude Era, and you mentioned it up front, John, was we were there for a couple years feeling out who we were and what we were going to do and kind of evolving a little bit. When it got to Attitude Era time, there we were. You know what I mean? So that that another thing is people got to get in. In the, in the uh, like time and service a little bit before they realize who they are and who they who they need to be in the ring and it may be totally different from who they thought they were going to be when they started um, but I thought that was a cool evolution for us 94 95 uh, early 96 and then it started you know 97 we started rolling and so I thought it gave us all time to kind of feel ourselves out a little bit which for me personally I needed because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> well, Brian, once again, thanks so much. Where, where can the folks find you? Where can they listen to you? Tell so, us yeah, so about every, your new podcast. Everywhere. Yeah, thank you, Gerald. Everywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, you can, uh, you know, uh, watch on YouTube. And, and if you do, give us a five-star review. That always helps. Uh, even if you think I suck, give us a five-star review. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, but I, look, I think you'll just have- hit that little thump and thump, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, there's, a, there's a little sign like this. Please hit that. Um, but yeah, so so just starting this out and utilizing Ryan Katz, which I know, Gerald, you yeah. probably- Oh, I love Ryan, Ryan yeah. Uh, yeah, he was, he was uh, uh, the first guy under Dusty uh, yeah. at FCW when it was Florida Championship Wrestling and then transitioned into NXT. So he is my co-host. So he, wow. he brings a, a different kind of flavor to the show too, which I really enjoy his energy. So yeah, check it out, man. It's all I'm doing. Look, I'm unemployed. I'll, I'll sweep <laughs> your Tony Khan. I'll clean your crapper. I'll uh, uh, Vince. I've still got a heck of a curveball. Which con is Tony? Is that the uh, AEW or is that the <laughs> yeah, WWE? Yeah, yeah, that's the AEW. I think, is this all the work where this Khan family <laughs> is trying to take over our business? <laughs> I swear to God, that's, I swear to God, that's crossed my mind. Um, <laughs> Hey, hey, you hey. never know in our business. Oh, you man. never know. You know. And then, uh, next thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire, and yeah. we're showing up in Jacksonville. <laughs> That's right. But uh, stranger hey, things I, have happened. I showed oh, up in Panama City. Which I, <laughs> I showed up in Panama City. You remember that? Yeah, you were there. Yeah. I had just been fired, just been fired and, and I lived in Gulf Breeze. It's like an hour from Panama City. WCW was in Panama City. I'm going to go get a job. I show up in Panama City. Everybody from WWF is there. And I see everybody and I go, boy, my timing is the shit. <laughs> that's awesome. I've never heard I, yeah, that. Yeah, that's a true story. And uh, actually, I stayed, uh, stayed, went out and with a bunch of the boys, and we got in a big fight that night in a bar. <laughs> like, I don't remember it, but I'm told we did well. <laughs> Good Lord. How are we still alive? Guys, thank you so much for this. It's been really fun for me, um, and I appreciate the opportunity. Hey, we love you, Rose. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Love you guys, too. Thank you all.
Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? SaveWithConrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at SaveWithConrad.com.